Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie, and here with me today is Doug Leith, who is the president of Melbourne Save Animals in, in Laboratories, and that is the newest local group to join the international save movement. Now, Doug, it's, it's easy to think that all animal experimentation or vivisection is occurring overseas in the USA, in Europe, and in Asia, but you say there's a significant amount of vivisection taking place here in Victoria, and in many cases close to where we're sitting right here in inner city Melbourne. Absolutely. Um, the last available stats from 2016 show 1,086,000 animals used just in Victoria um, and Australia-wide over 10 million that year. Pleasingly, there's been a decline in invasive uh, research in the most available statistics, but that may be an anomaly. While we'd love to see that decline continue, um, overall there's a trend of increasing animal experimentation. Um, and that's occurring at universities, institutions, hospitals, and so-called charities throughout Melbourne. What kind of research is taking place locally that involves experimentation? Um, we've got uh, monkeys being used in invasive um, brain... I use the word research in inverted commas, but I'll, I'll say research. Here in Melbourne, cats used, um, being blinded and deafened here at the Bionics Institute in Melbourne. Um, and a variety of other animals, most commonly mice and rats, but um, all variety of species are used, including uh, native animals. Um, the claimed purposes for these all sound quite noble and honourable and worthwhile, but the reality is these methods don't lead to cures for human diseases um, because the animals are not predictive models for humans. Can you give us an idea of what these animals are being subjected to? Like, can you sort of paint a picture of what's actually they're enduring? Certainly. Um, well, many of the animals are firstly are born and bred here at, in Churchill and by Monash University and other universities. Uh, these include primates and all variety of species, so their whole life is one of captivity. Uh, they're then sold off or used at that institution. Um, they're usually then also kept in incarceration, of course. Um, the primates that I was referring to are subjected to invasive brain surgery. Now, while there aren't pain receptors in the brain, obviously pain still occurs in getting through the skull to the brain. No doubt local anaesthesia is used, but under any circumstance, it's an extremely unpleasant and painful uh, experience for the animal. Many animals don't have post-operative anaesthesia. Many are euthanised um, without post-operative anaesthesia. And it's worth noting that almost no animal, no animal leaves these places alive, uh, irrespective of what research has been done on them and irrespective of the fact that many of them could be um, rehomed and we have people ready, willing and able to rehome those animals. So I, you mentioned earlier that there's native wildlife that are being used. What, what kind of wildlife? Mm. 
Well, about 130,000 um, were used just in Victoria um, in 2016. Um, all variety of native mammals are used. Um, they're usually used for a reason that's supposedly relevant to, uh, for example, depopulating uh, those animals or controlling them in some other way, so fertility and other methods. But um, it's still a very you know, unpleasant and painful procedure and very large amounts of animals are used. There was a little technical hitch earlier, and I'm not sure if our listeners heard, but we're talking now with Doug Leith, who is the president of Melbourne Save Animals and Laboratories, which is the newest local Melbourne group to join the, the international save movement. Um, we're talking about vivisection uh, and the anti-vivisection movement. Now, many people, including some vegans, claim that vivisection is a necessary evil and that while it's not good, we need vivisection and animal research to test, to trial medicines and to find effective cures for disease and to ensure harmful side effects are identified before those product, products are released onto the market. What's your response to those people that support vivisection, even though they might do so reservedly? Unfortunately, these people have been very successfully and thoroughly duped, uh, as I was also once. Um, there's, in fact, no species that's predictive for humans. Um, according to the USFDA in a publication called Innovation or Stagnation, Challenge and Opportunity on the Critical Path to New Medical Products, 2004, um, they said 92% of drugs uh, fail clinical trials after they've passed all the safety tests in animals. Um, Professor Azra Raza, the oncologist, uh, also said 90% of the cancer drugs fail, even though they're successful in murine, that's mouse models. And we see that across the board. 97.5% of the substances that cause birth defects in animals don't cause birth defects in humans. Um, it's the same with uh, toxicology, and not only is it failing to protect humans from harmful substances, um, for example, 46% of chemicals that cause cancer in mice don't cause cancer in rats. We don't even have a reliable correlation between mice and rats. So it's not surprising that 19 out of 20 substances that causes cancer in mice don't cause cancer in humans. Um, so on, on one hand, in the first instance, we have animal tests failing to identify harmful substances for humans. For example, warnings were kept off off cigarettes for over a decade because the animal tests didn't show that smoking caused lung cancer. The tobacco industry already knew quite well that it caused lung cancer in humans. The same is true for asbestos as a carcinogen, for ionising radiation, for thalidomide, Vioxx. Um, in fact, HIV-infected blood um, passed tests in uh, chimpanzees that were then given to 5,000 human haemophiliacs in what was known as the French blood scandal. So we have animal tests, in inverted commas, failing to protect humans from harmful substances in the first place. That's the first problem. As a result, humans suffer and humans have diseases. So what do we get then? Instead of valid research, more animal research. Um, humans and animals only get the same diseases 1.16% of the time. So it's not surprising that we're not curing human diseases by looking at animals. Um, for example, to quote Dr Richard Klausner, the former director of the National Cancer Institute, uh, he said, the history of cancer research has been a history of curing cancer in the mouse. We've cured mice of cancer for decades, and it simply didn't work in humans, end quote. And we have one quote after another in a similar vein. There are now 95 AIDS vaccines that work in monkeys. None of them work in humans. Yet we're funding this. Um, and that's the case across the board. 700 stroke therapies work in animals. None of them have been approved for human use in the EU or the United States. Um, 
In fact, nearly any disease you can think of, you'll find animals have been cured, in inverted commas, the animal models have been cured, but humans aren't. Mice with paralysing spinal cord injuries have been made to walk again. Humans still can't. So what we're getting is cures, in inverted commas, in animals, but no cures for humans. The fundamental reason for that is that the so-called disease in the animal is not the same as a spontaneous, real human disease. So, of course, curing, in inverted commas, the animal model is not going to result in cures for humans. What it will do is to provide breakthroughs in inverted commas for public consumption, which they'll see on the news uh, fairly regularly. They'll be told within three to five years we expect to have this uh, vaccine or cure or something else that will fix something or other. And the film will usually show some mice or rats uh, running around a little wheel or in their enclosures. Uh, So the public's left under the impression that some animal testing is leading to benefits to humans and they're left with a general feeling that progress is occurring. That progress is not being realised. The reason it's not being realised is because mice are not humans and uh, nothing can be done to change this fundamental problem. Why is it not working with primates? Are are primates not an adequate model for for human testing? Well, primates have up to 99% DNA in common if you include non-coding DNA and 96% If you don't, to put DNA correlation in perspective, it's worth noting that humans and bananas have 50% DNA in common. But needless to say, 50% of human diseases won't be cured by banana research, (laughs) to put it in perspective. So while primates um, have a high amount of DNA in common, they are more predictive than mice. Um, They still went their separate ways from humans six million years ago. They've been following a divergent evolutionary path since then. So... A small difference in DNA actually results in a very big difference for practical purposes. That's why we have, um, for example, 70% of the substances that cause birth defects in humans do not cause birth defects in monkeys. Thalidomide is a notable example. Um, You've got then uh, 95 AIDS vaccines, as I said. Um, um, You've got the uh, polio vaccine, whether worked or not, you have the creator of the polio vaccine saying that the differences between monkeys and humans delayed that for 29 years. Um, Similarly, um, blood transfusions, uh, most infectious diseases, uh, primates don't get human infectious diseases, hepatitis, malaria, HIV, AIDS, and others. So even the closest animal model to humans, which is non-human primates, is of no value uh, for practical purposes. Um, and other species are even less predictive. And nothing's going to change this. Humans and mice went our separate ways 65 million years ago. Um, Putting human genes into other species doesn't change this. For example, if you put a gene um, from a mouse into a human or a human into a mouse uh, and you believe that gene has a certain role in humans, when you put that into the mouse, the gene then starts to perform a completely different function from something related to cancer to something that may change hair colour. Um, gene function is not preserved between species, so mapping the mouse genome has no uh, relevance to humans and putting human DNA into mice or making any other changes to mice, knocking genes in, uh, putting knocking genes out um, or making any other changes. This does make very expensive mice, up to $30,000, for a mouse, and this may be what people are actually donating to when they raise money, but it doesn't make a model 
that has any relevance to human disease and it's not resulting in cures for human disease. So what is the best way then to, to test medicines and to trial treatment procedures if we're not going to use animal research? For drug testing, and drug testing is the biggest user of animals in the world uh, for so-called scientific purposes, uh, microdosing is the best method. Um, that means you take a very tiny amount of the substance, um, one one-hundredth of the therapeutic dose, and put it into a human. Prior to that, you use you try it on human cells. You have cells for 130 parts of the human body, and then you have something called um, a microfluidic chip, um, which can um, the substance runs through a little virtual model of the human body, which has um, cells from different parts of the human body in the order that they would be um, touched by that substance. So you can see what effect it has when it um, is metabolised through a human body. Um, after those methods are used, then you microdose into a human, preferably one with the, the disease which the drug seeks to treat. Um, for example, the benefits of that are, well, firstly, you can see what's happening in a human. The human can talk to you. You can take biopsies of the human body. Now, this isn't a situation where the humans are the guinea pigs, in inverted commas. This is actually protecting humans. To quote uh, Dr. Moniam Fadali, uh, animal experiments inevitably lead to human experiments. The reason that is is because if you try something in animals, you actually don't know what effect it's going to have in humans. The TGN-1412 disaster at Northwick Hospital in the UK is one example where humans almost died uh, thalidomide is another famous example. Vioxx, 140,000 cases of heart attacks and strokes. Um, but there are many lesser known examples where humans in general and long-term use of pharmaceuticals do sustain harm. So the microdosing um, after using microfluidics in human cells protects those humans who are being tested on um, because you've already used more accurate methods. And secondly, you're using a tiny amount and gradually building up that substance rather than going in at a therapeutic dose straight into a human just because it passed tests on monkeys and rats and dogs and cats, um, in which case those humans may be harmed. So we're protecting humans in the tests and it's protecting humans uh, in the general public by making um, more efficacious, that means drugs that work better and less toxic uh, substances. So is this being practised in some countries or in, in, in some um, medical forums, this approach of not using animal research but by testing with these practices that you suggest? In some areas it's increasing, but unfortunately the way the pharmaceutical and other industries have got around this is by saying you have to compare the new methodology, for example, microdosing, not to human data, but to the animal data. <laughs> so unless it's getting the similar results to the animal data, they'll say it doesn't work. Right. So the, the reasons they don't want to use um, methods such as microdosing and other valid methods are because, according to the World Health Organization, 99.7% of pharmaceuticals cause side effects. It's easy to see why the tobacco industry wouldn't want to use a valid test. Obviously, they know smoking causes lung cancer and similar with other toxic or harmful substances. Um, and unfortunately, it seems to be the same with the pharmaceutical industry. And occasionally, admissions are made along those lines. For example, Dr James D. Gallagher of Laterly Laboratories said, animal studies are done for legal reasons and not for scientific reasons. The predictive value of such studies for man is meaningless, end quote. So occasionally these statements are made. In practical terms, how this works is um, 
the substance passes the animal tests and in the short only three-month trial in humans it doesn't show any harm. If in prolonged use a painkiller, for example, causes liver or kidney damage in humans and those humans go to court, then the pharmaceutical company can say our testing didn't indicate this. Uh, the judge and jury may be swayed to say that the pharmaceutical industry did the best they could. And if they believe that, then um, payouts may be none or quite minimal. But if they were to use a valid method such as microdosing, and um, this showed that the substance is harmful to humans, and they still went ahead and marketed the drug as safe, uh, and humans were damaged in the way the testing showed, then it would be very difficult for them to say, we didn't know. Mm. <laughs> because obviously they did know. But by this means they can say they didn't know. Uh, and for an industry like the pharmaceutical industry, while animal tests are expensive, the money which it saves them by avoiding successful litigation vastly exceeds the cost of those animal tests. So if, if vivisection is a sham, as you claim it's a complete sham, what is the motivation for so many research institutions around the world to be pouring so much time and money and energy into vivisection? I think at the apex of the problem is, as I've just described, the provision of legal protection, that is, for the, those industries manufacturing not just pharmaceuticals but other harmful substances. Um, the other side of it is the so-called research. Now, it's difficult to prove... Um, that those profiting from human illness want those illnesses to continue, but one would have to wonder after 95 successful AIDS vaccines in monkeys and none of them working in humans, well, what conclusion can one come to? Are they slow learners? Um, it could be claimed that the individual researchers themselves are not aware of the big picture and no doubt have been led to believe that this is a valid method uh, through university, even from high school, no doubt that is what they've been led to believe. Um, I don't want to tarnish them all with the same brush, but um, if one's getting a six-figure salary to engage in an activity and has little awareness of other or more valid methods, um, an individual may have a motivation to continue to engage in that, especially when surrounded by others uh, of like mind. Um, so there may be some mercenary interests involved even within that aspect. But for those who really are motivated to cure human disease, well, there's good news. You can stop doing animal experiments and start engaging in valid research. Um, groups such as Medical Advances Without Animals and the, the Hadwin Trust um, are a couple which um, help fund non-animal methods. And not all that long ago, uh, Medical Advances Without Animals recipient won the Eureka Prize by replacing uh, animals and conducting better research. So there is hope for those who are motivated to stop using animals and to engage in more valid research. Let's just have a break. I've got a song here just to play for you. It's called Jayin. The artist is Jayin and the song is Come and we'll be back and we'll talk further with Doug. Friends of the Earth's Walk This Way is back. Join us on Saturday, October 13th on a sponsored walk of Melbourne's beautiful Bayside Tracks to launch our new waste and consumption campaign and take action on climate change. Together, we'll walk 15 kilometres and raise $20,000 for Friends of the Earth. We will be highlighting key issues around climate resilience, rising sea levels and plastic pollution in our oceans. 
Getting involved is simple. Sign up online at walkthisway.org.au, get sponsored, spread the word and get walking. Join us as we journey through coastal communities who are most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. We'll finish up with a community picnic in the Katani Gardens in St Kilda. Friends of the Earth is a proud supporter of CCR. The Environmental Film Festival Australia is on again. See the impact of climate change and meet heroes fighting for justice. Witness the beauty of nature and hear the sounds of our world. Meet the filmmakers and experts inspiring change and join the conversation to create a sustainable future. Face the facts, face the future, face the films. The Environmental Film Festival Australia, in Melbourne from October the 11th to the 19th. Tickets at effa.org.au. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. We've been talking with Doug Leith of Melbourne Save Animals and Laboratories, which is the newest Melbourne group to join the SAVE movement. So, Doug, perhaps this issue of, of vivisection and your campaign against vivisection is maybe it's not an issue of animal rights. I'm thinking, is this an issue of fraudulent science? Perhaps the emotiveness of animal rights muddies the water of an of, of this anti-vivisection movement and maybe it would be better served by someone who doesn't care about animals but wants just to see good science and, and better health outcomes for humans? Yeah, well, I think, um, while we're certainly motivated by helping animals, in doing so, we've become aware of the scientific fraudulence of vivisection, so certainly use that um, argument as that's what the evidence indicates. <coughs> but many of the people we get information from are not actually animal rights activists. There's groups such as Americans for Medical Advancement, Campaign Against Fraudulent Medical Research, Medical Research Modernisation Committee, Europeans for Medical Progress, um, Doctors and Lawyers for Responsible Medicine. So these people are all uh, doctors and scientists and some lawyers uh, who oppose animal experimentation because it's fraudulent. No doubt they also like animals, most people do, it's natural to, but... Their opposition and the information they present shows clearly that animal experiments don't benefit humans. I think that when we combine that information with the evidence of what's happening to animals, uh, it makes for a complete argument. They, the opposition simply doesn't have a leg to stand on. They get away with it by claiming it's us or them. Um, in fact, there was even an advertising campaign in the UK, a very big billboard saying, who would you rather with rather spelt? Uh, rat with a rat on one side and her with a little girl on the other side who would you rat her save so they still get away with presenting this to the public as an animals versus humans issue and of course while the public believes it's an animals versus humans issue they will reluctantly accept animal experimentation always and some will even enthusiastically accept it if they believe it will save their mum dad themselves their child and this lie uh, is what the, the vivisectors have used um, for decades now to dupe the public into reluctantly accepting vivisection, animal experimentation, that is, as a necessary evil. But if the public knew the truth, that the reason the little kid's not cured and the reason cancer's not cured in your mum or dad or heart disease or whatever else uh, 
AIDS and so on, is because money is being wasted on so-called research on species of animals which don't even get human diseases, then no one would be left supporting animal experimentation except the vivisectors themselves or the financial beneficiaries of this fraud, the pharmaceutical, petrochemical, tobacco and other industries. Ordinary mums, dads, ordinary people would all be opposed to animal experimentation. So this is terribly cruel to animals uh, and it prevents human diseases being cured and at the same time consumes vast amounts of money taken via tax or donations from people who are unaware of what they're actually uh, donating to. Um, I think the public would be outraged if they knew the truth, um, that they're funding cruelty to animals, which is certainly not scientific in any way, um, under the false pretense of help us find a cure or we're protecting you from harmful substances when in fact the only health being protected is the financial health of the industries whose products are harmful to humans. Um, an awareness of this fraudulent situation is uh, increasing thanks to the, the good work of the doctors and scientists who I just mentioned earlier and pioneers like Hans Roosh and Professor Pietro Croce and others. Um, and that's now being carried on by people who investigate the subject and uh, are aware that this is not really the complicated issue um, which we're led to believe it is, because it's not even science. Um, simply, there is no predictive species for humans. That means out of the 66,000 vertebrates on the Earth, there isn't one of them which is predictive. That means which will give you answers which are correct for humans with any reliability at all. What, what occurs in the animal may or may not be true for humans, and that applies to primates, mice, rats, any species you can think of. And this isn't going to change. Uh, it's not possible for it to change. Evolution ensures that that won't change. Um, so where the opposition to animal experimentation has fallen down historically has been that it has put rats up against babies. Uh, it's obvious who's going to win there. I mean, most people kill mice and rats just for being in their house. <laughs> it's plainly absurd uh, to believe that they would say, well, if um, my mum can be saved by killing a rat, then no, save the rat. No one would say this. <laughs> and the same applies even to cats or dogs or monkeys, given a choice between saving a family member or another species of animal. They will almost to a person choose to save their own family member. Um, now, we can tell them, oh, it's morally wrong, it's speciesist, you don't have a right to it. That won't save any laboratory animals. Um, it may be, appear morally superior and even be morally correct, but it doesn't save any animals. So one has to ask, is it even morally superior to use an argument which doesn't stop animal experiments? Or is it more morally superior, or morally correct, to use what the evidence indicates? You'll have to sound like a person who cares about humans, and, you know, um, you shouldn't have to sound like that, um, to show that it doesn't benefit humans. But you don't have to present one or the other either. You can say, 
even if animal experiments did save humans, I don't think we should do them because I don't think we have a right to do that to animals. But the fact is they don't save humans anyway. And here's what the evidence indicates. Here's the director of the National Cancer Institute. Um, here's other experts. Here's the t- statistical evidence. 700 failures there, 95 failures there. Every one is a failure. Um, so it sounds. So there's nothing to weigh up. It's, it sounds quite clear to me that you're not anti-science. No, it's pro-science. To be anti-animal experimentation is to be pro-science. And this is another mistake. Because they've managed to call themselves science, basing human medicine on chickens, dogs, hyenas, ferrets, <laughs> any other species you can think of as science, when in fact it's the most unscientific practice uh, one can think of. Um, so you can certainly be pro-science and anti-vivisection. In fact, if you know what the evidence indicates, you cannot be pro-vivisection and pro-science at the same time. Um, just as you, you know, you can't be uh, in the Ku Klux Klan and be a, uh, for um, black rights. <laughs> now, I, I understand that there's been some recent um, Australian progress with cosmetic testing legislation. There's been some announcements that in, in I think, is it New South Wales or, or one of the states that's mm. they're going to phase out cosmetic testing. Can you well, comment on that? Yeah, in Victoria, uh, the Animal Justice Party, which I was part of then managed to get an agreement with the Liberal Party um, to introduce a bill um, to ban the importation of animal-tested cosmetics. And as far as we know, the testing doesn't occur here in Australia either. So if we ban the importation and don't do any testing here, that would be a complete um, ban on the animal testing of cosmetics as far as Australia is concerned. However, they haven't followed through yet. So I'd advise people to contact uh, the Liberal Party and say, when are you going? to do what you promised, ban the importation of animal-tested cosmetics. Um, We were told that after the same-sex marriage bill went through, um, then they'd get on to that one. Well, that's gone through, and they haven't got on to the banning of the importation of animal-tested cosmetics. So they haven't kiboshed it? It just hasn't been acted upon? Well, they're just uh, staying silent on it, and, you know, they they need to get a fire under them. Otherwise, it looks like they were opportunistically making promises they had no intention uh, of going ahead with in order uh, to serve their own interests. So who should we be contacting in the Liberal Party? Have you got some names? Um, Jason Wood, the member who an agreement was made with, um, but then um, contact um, relevant uh, science minister um, and um, I'd go all the way. Uh, to the top with this one. Um, just do what you promised to do. It has public support. I mean, there are votes in it anyway. Um, the public uh, supports banning the importation of animal testing for cosmetics um, because they see that as being trivial. Of course, they would ban- they would support the banning of all animal experimentation if they knew the truth about it. But on that issue, there is general public support for the banning of animal testing uh, of cosmetics and the importation of animal-tested cosmetics. Are there other countries that are making genuine inroads in getting rid of animal experimentation that that we can learn from? Mm. Well, California, about two weeks ago or so, um, banned the importation of animal-tested cosmetics, so that's great. Now, the European Union supposedly has banned that, but seven out of the 11 tests available can use animals. One way they're getting around it, it seems, from looking at the website Antidote Europe, is that if chemicals are common to both industrial 
and cosmetic use, then under the industrial use, they can still animal test uh, those substances. So in a way, this may not be resulting in the decline which we'd hoped for. So we have to be wary of these loopholes and what we have to call for is the banning of all animal testing. Um, groups like Europeans for Medical Advancement have been seeking this ever since Tony Blair was in power and he's, he promised to do it, um, put animal tests on trial by comparison to human data. It hasn't happened. But we know what would happen if they did put animal tests on trial by comparison to human data. It would clearly show animal testing fails it's not protecting humans. It's a legal device, not a scientific device, and the public would not support it. Now, I want to know about the group Melbourne Save Animals and Laboratories. Tell me, first and foremost, what, what does the group do? Um, we had our first action recently where we um, went to the Howard Florey Institute uh, initially. and Where's that? Uh, it's the top of Royal Parade at Melbourne University. Okay. Corner of Grattan and Royal Parade. Um we spoke there, then we crossed the road. We had the Rotary Bone Marrow Research and Walter and Eliza Hall Institute across the road. Then further up, there's a new biomedical place being built in Melbourne Uni. Um, then the Peter McCallum across the road and the hospitals. And then further up, um, Monash Pharmaceutical School. And you've got CSL. So all of these places within about one and a half kilometres do animal experiments. So we can identify about ten places just and within a one um, mile, one a square mile of Melbourne University doing animal experiments. And you're talking invasive, invasive animal yeah, experiments? Yeah, some of these um, are similar to what I was describing earlier, invasive brain experiments on monkeys. There's also the Melbourne Brain Centre I didn't mention. That's within Melbourne Uni. They do invasive brain experiments right there. Um, the Bionics Institute funded by Melbourne Uni, I believe, where they are blinding cats in one eye or deafening them. Um, so it's certainly very invasive. It obviously debilitates the animal. Um, if the animal's lucky, then it, there'll be anaesthesia used post-operatively. Um, but it's difficult to know whether this even occurs while they have to tick all the boxes to get it approved. Um, the monitoring of these things is even less well-regulated than the monitoring of so-called factory farms. So it's a matter of faith that we hope um, pain is being minimised for these poor animals. So the, um, your Melbourne Save group, so it, got, it's, it went to all these different institutions or facilities around this sort of one square mile area mm. in inner city Melbourne. And, yeah. and what, do you, what did the group do there at each of um, these We had locations? info out and we had some big, uh, big colour photos of animal experiments, the sort of experiments that occur here, though it's very difficult to get the current ones. We still know they're happening, so the photos show what's happening here. Um, and we handed information to the public, spoke on a PA system to inform the public, um, and some went live on social media and other methods of getting that information to the public. So generally what we'll be doing is continuing to do public and virtual activism online uh, to both educate the animal rights community and the general public about the fraudulence and the cruelty of animal experimentation. Um, and then from the... Um, animal rights movement being edified on the issue for them to get that information to the Australian public and even global public generally. I think it starts with us if the animal rights community uh, and caring people within the scientific community um, are familiar with how strong our case is and then get that out to their friends and family and in any other means they can, then that's the way we're going to get uh, 
animal experimentation stopped. We'll also be seeking mainstream media through activism. Um, I personally seek debate with anyone in Australia or the world on the subject, animal experimentation, and we've contacted universities, Melbourne Uni School of Medicine, Sydney Uni School of Medicine and others. They've declined um, for a public debate on that issue. Um, um, but, you know, <clears throat> we're always open to that. I'll even pay my own expenses to travel anywhere in Australia to debate any person publicly on the subject, animal experimentation. Um, so we'll continue to engage in those actions. We'll be at World Vegan Day, which is on this Sunday. We have a store there and I'll be speaking there. Um, That's which, which date's that? Uh, Sunday the 14th at... Um, World Vegan Day at the showgrounds. Oh, at, so, um, uh, is it Ascot Vale Flemington? Yeah, Ascot Vale Flemington, yep. So people can come down there, come over and see us. We'll give you some free info. We have some good T-shirts with a good message on the back which says, uh, vivisection is barbaric, useless and a hindrance to scientific progress from the surgeon Dr Werner Hartinger. Um, uh, we'll give out uh, info and um, yeah, show people what's happening and show them how they can... Get involved. We want everyone to get involved. Um, I know from my own personal experience, when I um, first got in, involved in animal rights, I saw how terribly cruel the section was, and I was very motivated to stop it. But when someone said to me, mm, "But if your mum had cancer, would you still want to save a rat?" I felt a moral conflict because I believed this choice actually existed. Now I know it's a complete lie, and I look forward to those questions. And I feel that a lot of other people in animal rights people may in animal rights may feel uh, hamstrung a little internally on that and for that reason be less enthusiastic in their anti-vivisection activism than they would be. So I'd encourage them to realise we have a very strong argument and that you have to present that argument. It's not productive to say test on criminals, it's not productive to say humans have to die of something. I mean, the vivisectors are pleased when they see these comments, to be honest. Now, we've all made the mistake of saying those things. But what you have to do is show the terrible reality of what happens to the animals and show it doesn't save any humans. They then don't have a leg to stand on. And that's what Melbourne Save Animals and Laboratories will be helping people to do. And so why did you decide to hook up with this, that international save movement rather than you could have just created your own group with mm. its own name, with its own banner and with your, with your own specific objectives? Why, why, did, why did you put it under the Save Movement's banner? Well, some good activists like... Um, Tamara Nightingale and um, Nat Shanti and others uh, suggested that we join the SAVE movement. I personally do attend the SAVE vigils uh, in the city and on site where the animals are being killed and have done that for a long time. I appreciate their, their non-violent uh, methods and their ways of informing the public by seeing the animals. While we can't show laboratory animals so easily, we can still have the same um, philosophy, peaceful, pro-vegan uh, philosophy, uh, which I support. Uh, and for those reasons and um, the good suggestions of other people, uh, also Linda and Riz, who are our two other uh, main uh, people in our uh, organising committee, um, I, you know, we decided to, to join to be part of the SAVE movement. And they haven't um, said, no, don't use this human health argument as well. I'm sure they can see the benefit in using that and also showing the terrible reality of what's happening to animals and that there's no conflict between completely supporting animal rights 
and also showing that there's human harm. As with any bad thing, there's no upside to it. We know that from veganism, you know, we know that um, uh, it's not an animals versus humans issue because you don't need to eat animals. We don't gain anything from it. So it's a lose-lose situation if we eat animals and it's a win-win if we don't. And it's exactly the same if you base human medicine on other species. So being part of the SAFE movement, is it a hindrance in any way? Does it cramp your style? Like, does does the SAFE movement have some kind of definitional parameters that you can't go beyond in terms of its scope? Or does does the SAFE movement kind of accommodate everything that you want to do? Um, no, they're certainly supportive. I've spoken directly um, with Anita Cranch, um, who um, was the uh, Toronto activist and founder who um, was taken to court for giving water to a pig of all of the absurd things to be taken to court for, and thankfully the judge had the sense to say it wasn't a crime to give water to a pig. Um, so they've been completely uh, supportive of it. I can fully incorporate their philosophy and still show um, that it's also not beneficial to humans, so there is no no upside um, so I think that um, the people in the Safe Movement in Melbourne were already aware that the case that I present against animal experimentation and suggested that we join the Safe Movement. So they're, they're supportive of the complete uh, argument that we present against vivisection. Okay. Now I understand that there's a, there's a similar Safe uh, Lab Animals group in Sydney. Yes. Um, that's, even, that's even newer yeah, that's right. They started just a couple of weeks after us, so that was good to see um, Dr. Werner Coleman, <laughs> Dr. Coleman <laughs> and right. Flavia Coleman, yeah. Dr. Kevin Coleman, yeah, um, who wrote the book Monkey Business, which I'd advise people get, um, founded that uh, group with some others in uh, Sydney, so it's good to have doctors um, creating that, and he's a knowledgeable opponent of xenotransplantation and all animal experimentation. They hold regular vigils at the Royal Prince Alfred in Sydney, which I'd advise Sydney people to attend and to, to go onto their page. Um, they're called Sydney Laboratory Animal Save. Um, and you'll see, again, that we have a very strong case against vivisection. It's great to have people with the title doctor on our side. Personally, I just quote those people, <laughs> uh, doctors and professors and the evidence. Um, but, uh, you know, as you've said, um, when people who have a vested interest in something speak out against it, it says something, and we've got the director of the National Cancer Institute and are the most eminent people who do animal experiments themselves uh, saying it doesn't work, it doesn't cure diseases. The three Nobel Prize winners for penicillin, uh, the Nobel Prize winner for blood transfusion and so many others pointing out plainly that animal experiments delayed these benefits to humans. You're also going to be talking at the Animal Activist Forum, I believe. Yeah. Can you give us some date for the Animal Activist Forum? The yeah, when, that's the, the following the weekend. Okay. So that's in Sydney this year, uh, the Portland Portside Centre, I think it's called. I think you, you can still get tickets. Um, it's definitely worth attending uh, because it's informative. You get to network with other animal rights people. And if you can get up there the day before, on the Friday, it's called a Day of Activism. So there's the, the practical side, which we all like to do, which is actually getting out there, getting information to the public. We'll get that out of our system on the Friday and then uh, get some information over the weekend and have some vegan food and meet uh, good vegan animal rights activists. Yeah, great. Okay. So people can see you talking at the World Vegan Day coming up yeah. next weekend, the 14th, and then they can 
So you're talking at the Animal Activist Forum the weekend after in Sydney. Yes, and if they're recorded, I'll post them on the MSAIL, Melbourne Save Animals in Laboratories page. Awesome. You've just got a Facebook presence. Is that the best way to get in contact with you? Yes, at the moment, just go on Facebook and look at Melbourne Save Animals in Laboratories. Um, But we'll be going on the other social media um, and YouTube soon and also making some regular uh, websites to... um, draw attention to this issue okay great so and if you're in sydney you can join this the sydney lab what is it sydney save it's called sydney laboratory animal save okay and are there any other ones around around australia or are they the in only australia two? no in fact in the whole world there's only one other one in north carolina oh right wow so we're fairly pioneering yeah okay awesome. but um the save movement certainly hopes that this will increase that's why we've called ours melbourne save animals in laboratories with the anticipation that other states uh, will do the same yep. and make their own groups. So we certainly hope they do. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. We've got a song here that Doug suggested. It's called Secular Plague and it's called... Oh, no, it's by Secular Plague and it's called Vivisection. Oh. It's pretty loud and thrashy. Can I just say I only chose it. I haven't listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> I just Googled Vivisection songs, so I don't even know what it says. Okay, well, I, I listened to good. it and it is, it is pretty loud and okay. it's pretty thrashy. But uh, and but it's it's right on point. It's very on point. And bear with us. It just goes for forty seconds, and we'll be back um, just to wrap up. Hi, I'm Rod Quantock, and you're listening to Fill in the Dots. You know who you're listening to. Why do I have to tell you who you're listening to? You know who you're listening to. You're listening to yes, Fill in the. 3CR Community Radio, you got it right, you've won a giraffe. Uh, we're at 8.55am, we're on digital radio and streaming at 3cr.org.au. 3CR has been making trouble since 1976 and occasionally I've been part of the trouble that's been made. It's a vital part of our uh, media landscape and I'd encourage you to get a hacksaw, an oxyacetylene torch and go up to the Dandenongs and, and bring down all those broadcast towers that aren't 3CR's towers and let's make 3CR the only source of information to an information-starved, dumbed-down Australian community. Written, authorised and spoken by Neil Mitchell. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. We've been hearing from Doug Leith, who is the president of Melbourne Save Animals and Laboratories, which is um, the, the newest Melbourne save group to join the movement. Now, that's all we have for you today. Thanks very much to Doug. Thanks also to Jane, our earlier artist, and to Secular Plague, our last thrashy one. Now, you can get in touch with Freedom of Species by our email, and our email address is info at freedomofspecies.org. You can follow us on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter. Coming up at 2 o'clock is in Psychedelia, so stay tuned for them. I'm just going to leave you with a couple of songs now. The first one I'm going to leave you is Hothouse Flowers, a song called Pop Song. And then after that's going to be a song from John Martin, which is called Sunshine's Better. So see you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.